I need to put it. I, I, we're in Hebrews. We're finishing Hebrews chapter two. Um, Greg and I decided that at the end of each chapter, which tonight will be the end of chapter two, at the end, maybe fifteen, even twenty minutes, we're going to have some applications. You know, this message meant a lot to Christians two thousand years ago. But also, it's been preserved by God through time, and it means something to us today as well. And this was—it's called Hebrews because it was written to Jewish Christians, Hebrews, and they were getting discouraged. They were getting discouraged. Uh, there was a lot of pressure from the government, from their, even from their brethren, who said, you know, you're, you may be taking this Christian thing too far being a Jew because we want to hang on to the old law. And uh, some were quitting. So we're going to talk at the end of some applications of, um, and we've touched on already some, but what, uh, what could that mean for us and some ways maybe that the world puts pressure on us to kind of throw the towel in and say, I'm done too. Um, in chapter one, we, we remember we're remember we're memorizing. If I can speak this evening, we're memorizing uh, the main point of each chapter. So, chapter one, what did we say we're going to remember? Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than the angels. That's the that's the theme of Hebrews chapter one. Now, the question would be, in what way, or what ways really, is Jesus better than the angels? That the writer says he's better than the angels. In what way? He's the heir of all things. Yeah, he's the heir of all things. He's the creator of all things. You know, we go to John chapter 1 uh, and Hebrews 1. It says, you know, uh, Jesus at God's side created this world. He's not a created being, he created this world. So he's better than angels. Did any angels create the world? Did God look at any angel and say, you know, I need your help here? I don't think so. I don't know so. How else is Jesus better? But he's God. He's God. And he makes and the chapter one and really the whole book uh, indicates indicates that. Um, how is he better? Did any angels die for our sins? No. Rhetorical question, of course not. But Jesus did. We'll see that in chapter two. Some of them, we'll touch on some of those things a little bit. Anything else on Jesus? Jesus is better. We'll see over chapter five and also chapter seven. Jesus, and a little bit in chapter two actually. Jesus is a better high priest. Now we'll have to think. What does that mean? Jesus is a better high priest. Well, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit. Um, how else was he better? He's the he's author and perfecter and finisher of our salvation. Okay? What else? Somebody said something. More excellent name. Uh, has a, a higher name. He's a more excellent name than, than angels or anyone else. He conquered death. He conquered death. We'll see that in chapter 2. And we'll talk about the irony. Uh, we, talked, we touched on it Sunday, but the irony of he had to die so that we wouldn't have to. Uh, spiritually. Okay, well, well, hold on to that thought, though, John. But we're, we're going to get to that a little bit more depth and a little bit. Anybody got anything else? 
because he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So who's holding, who's upholding the universe today? Why, why is this world still standing? Because Jesus said it's still standing. But eventually, in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about then comes the end when Jesus comes back and he will have put down all rule, all authority, and all power and turn the kingdom back over to God. That's at the end. But for now, he's upholding it by his word. It's a powerful word. That's a good one. What else? Anything else before we move? He's seated at the right hand of God. God's invitation. Why not the left hand? It's the place of authority. At the right hand of God. When you sit on the king's right hand, that's prime. That's prime real estate right there. At his right hand. Jesus is sitting at his right hand. And in other places, what's Jesus doing for us? He intercedes for us. He mediates for us. And what makes him such a good mediator? Both God and man. He's both God and man, 100% both. And I explained it. Well, we can't explain it. Uh, but he came to this earth. He was 100% man. But he was also 100% God. Uh, that, that's a tough one, but uh, that's what the Bible says that he is. Uh, a mediator has to understand both sides. We see that in labor negotiations and other things as well, where a mediator's in the middle. He hears this case, this side, and he hears this side, and then he wants to do a mediator. He makes a ruling. Well, being God, he understands that side. So to better help him, actually help him understand, uh, he had to come to this earth and, and, and understand what we're going through. Is that comforting or not? Yeah. So sometimes when you feel like you've got no place to go, I'm about ready to chuck it in, just like these, these early Christians. You know, you got to know that the most prestigious seat next to God on the right hand is Jesus, and He has lived like we have, and He is God, so He understands what we're going through. So you're never alone. Never alone. As long as we feel like it's alone. We do. The world kind of closes in. Uh, people this, people that, the news, turn on the news, and you go, I'm pure depressed. Well, you're not alone. And we can see that in our daily Bible reading. Yes. With, with Stephen. Mm -hmm. Christ was right with us. He, he was. saw the glory of God and he was standing at the right hand. Acts chapter 7. Almost in awe of what, yeah. what are they doing to my... my Out of respect. It yeah. appears that Jesus I, stood up in Acts 7. Isn't that something? That is something. Jesus would stand up for you. And he'll stand up for anybody. He will. Um, but he was still killed, wasn't he? Stephen was still killed. Yeah. He didn't promise we're not going to be killed or, or die or whatever. We're going to die. He promises after that, when we walk through the door of death, we can walk through it uh, with comfort if we've lived a, a faithful life in Him. That's a good point. Uh, now, it, it starts off in chapter 2. We're not going to hit a uh, reverse, of course. But I uh, just want to refresh your memory here. It says, chapter, verse 1, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, notice, lest we drift away. What was the picture that we painted in the original Greek word? 
What was the thought of drifting away? What's the picture? There's two pictures, actually. Slow process. Well, it's a slow process, for sure. An unanchored boat that's drifting. Oh, I got you. It's not lost yet, but it's in the process of being lost. It's going to drift away. Or sitting on a riverbank or stream, and we've all done it, and the leaves flow by. That's a picture that he paints for Christians that are drifting away. It didn't say you were you were taken away in a hurricane. That's quick. We drift. And he said, you better be careful. Because if you drift away, eventually you may drift too far. You may drift too far. Uh, questions or thoughts on, on, on drifting? Remember that? That's what we're memorizing in chapter 2. Don't drift away. The writer says, don't drift away. Don't drift away. Don't give up on Jesus. Anything? Any, any thoughts, comments? Okay, uh, I'm going to... Um, oh, uh, I knew it was something else I was going to mention. How can we keep from drifting away? It's easy to say, now Andy, don't drift away now. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, could you put a little reality to that? How can we not drift away? Stay focused in the Word. Stay focused in the Word. We stay focused in this. That's God's final revelation, final word. Stay focused in it. What else? That's a good one, Michelle. Anything else? Be involved. Be involved. Be involved. The early Christians were involved daily in each other's business and, and eating with one another and having, you know, in, in each other's affairs. Um, when you find yourself starting not wanting to hang out with Christians, that's that's probably an early sign. Uh, you may be great. Um, I'd say ask for help. Be willing to humble yourself enough. But to that's going to show weakness. It is. <laughs> but sometimes that's exactly what you need to do to prevent yourself from falling away and drifting away completely is to humble yourself enough to say, I need help. I need help. That, that, that's a tough one, isn't it? It's necessary, but sometimes we, we don't want to admit that because, you know, uh, if I admit that, that means I'm weaker than you. Well, you may be. Or maybe I am. But sometimes you've got to have help. Could I sit down and talk with you? Could you? Could we have, could we have a prayer together? Could we have a Bible study together? Okay, that's a good one. That's, that's not an easy one to, to voice right there, right there uh, out loud because we've all been there. Tony. Uh, um, in addition to focus on God's word, accept what it says. So, okay. like for example, um, <clears throat> like one thing that's widely accepted today is fornication. You know, and so as a Christian, you know, if you accept the fact that things like that, that right. and things, other things. In other words, follow the word, and not not just read it, but follow it and obey it. Yeah. Well, accept it. Okay. You know, versus like, well, maybe there's, because if you accept it, it, that might keep you from drifting away to a point where you might not believe it anymore. Okay. Uh, what else, Greg? I just love chapter 2, verse 9. It says, all these things, it says, but we see Jesus. He was made a little lower than the angels. We see him crowned with glory and honor. 
How do we keep from drifting? We've got to stay anchored to Jesus. How do we stay anchored to Jesus? We've got to keep looking at it. All these ways that we've talked about are ways to stay. Yep. Keep our focus on Jesus, not our focus in any other place. That, that's a good one. We're going to amplify that one toward the end, but you've got to keep our focus, and we're going to talk about ways to do that. But that, that, that's good. What about prayer? If you find yourself drifting, be careful. Uh, examine yourself and look to see how your prayer life is, how your study life is, and I suspect in most cases it's slipping. And therefore, I'll be slipping or you'll be slipping. And uh, the writer says, be careful of that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, look at um, the, the verse that Greg mentioned. <clears throat> but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. How was he made a little lower than the angels? He became a human, human being. And he was subject to all the frailties, if you will. That, 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 we, that we are uh, susceptible to. Angels haven't had to do that. Why would He do it? Because He loves us. And He wants to understand us. And, he, and then you see the rest of that verse, that He by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. He had to die so that we don't have to. The irony of that is just dripping. Dripping with irony. He had to die so that we do not have to. And I really like the uh, the, the wording here in chapter in verse ten when he says he's a captain of our salvation. Uh, we talked a little bit about on Sunday. Captain, what what do captains do? They steer. They lead. They lead. They steer the ship. Do they have authority? They have, they have, they have all authority on that ship. All. What else? What do pioneers do? Being from Kentucky, we ought to know this. Well, at least some of us are. Point the way, clear the way. Take the arrows. Take the arrows. Yeah, help me out, Jason. <laughs> if, if you don't stick your neck out and force the way, you, you know, it's like uh, getting with the sheep, you're going to smell like the sheep. You know, if you're pioneering the way, you're going to be the one that's going up against the greatest battles. So that way it makes it easier hoping for those behind you. There's no expression that the pioneers get the arrows, but the settlers get the land. Uh, that's so true. Jesus got the arrows. We're going to inherit the land, as it were, so to speak. Um, I love that, that wording, the captain or the pioneer. Some, there's actually more uh, and the Greek uh, leaning toward pioneer even than the, than the word captain, but they're, they're similar uh, in their nature. Also, look at verse 11. <clears throat> we touched on this as well. He is not ashamed to call them brethren. He's not ashamed to call you a sister and me a brother. That's Jesus, God, who created it all. And we, we asked the question on Sunday, name one religion where where uh, deity calls his followers as brothers and sisters. There aren't any. That's his love for us. That, that, that is so huge. Look at verse 14. Inasmuch 
then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Satan had the power of death. He brought death into the world, did he not? Through Adam and Eve, he did. And Jesus, when he died on that cross, seemingly in weakness to the world, it, it, it was power to his followers in that, and he and he, uh, uh, he destroyed death as a, as a uh, what do we all fear? What or what's one of the fears that, that human beings have? We fear death. We fear death, and we probably will until we. That's not uncommon. It's probably I will call it naturally the fear of death, but not to the point of. Um, of paranoia or depression or whatever because um, we know that when we walk through that door of death, what's going waiting on the other side? That keeps us going, doesn't it? It does. Questions, comments, thoughts? Lisa and then come, come to you. So I said a thought about death. Um, often when we have a fear, how you conquer that fear is by understanding the fear. And, you know, and and understanding it to, to the deepest level or the fathoms that are, you know, pertain to it. You know, we should have a healthy fear um, of, you know, hell and the consequences of being separated from God. Um, the same thing just with worldly as far as understanding death, that, that they don't understand that it is just a door, you know, and what you, you have control to do with your life. To understand that it is just a door and you have control to go through that door to where you want to go, you know. Um, Why does the world not feel like that? There's nothing to look forward to. This is it. You better enjoy it because this is all there is. Without Jesus. Nothing. And we said it not long ago, but I think it's true. It's a trite old saying, I suppose, but for, for a Christian, this is as bad as it'll ever be. For people of the world, this is as good as it'll ever be. Because Christians have a lot, all that to look forward to on the other side. And people who live in this world, we all got to do is turn on the TV or go into Walmart. It don't take long to figure this out. They live for this world, and it's. it's if this is all there is, I'd be depressed too. If this is all there is, uh, you can put me in a room somewhere and turn the lights off. There has to be more to this than, 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 than 98% of the world believes. Your thoughts? I think, I think that's so true. Do you? Or am I off? There's, there's also a lot of people who think they're Christians. You know? Okay. Yep. And, oh, uh, you're, you're right, Tom. And uh, so they think we're gonna, they're gonna, it's gonna, they're in for a good afterlife, but okay. And there's some of that too, for sure. Look at verse 17. Therefore, in all things, he has made, he ha he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be. A, now, notice this. I want to ask you a question here. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation. Do some of your versions say atonement? That's what it means, uh, to atone for our sins. To make propitiation or atonement for the sins of the people. 
And we touched on this a little bit earlier. Well, uh, Jesus, as God, determined that He, in order to understand us and to be a merciful and faithful high priest, uh, had to die for the sins of the people. Now, here's the idea, or the question. What, what is high priest? How do you... Uh, bring high priests into this discussion. Now we'll get over chapter 5 and 7, we'll see, but uh, what, what did a high priest do under the Old Testament law? What, what was his role? First of all, where did he come from? One tribe. Levi. The Bible's clear about that. He came from the tribe of Levi. Now who was the, I guess, uh, what, what was the priesthood? Uh, who, who was the main guy on Levi, so to speak? Uh, Aaron, that wasn't a good question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you need to be guessing what I'm saying. Uh, Aaron. Aaron. So the Aaronic priesthood. Now, with that priesthood, were there everyday priests? Were there? Yes. Was there a high priest? Absolutely. Now we're beginning to get warm here. What was the high priest's role under the old law, the Old Testament law? Go back to Leviticus. What, what was his role? He was a go-between. Hebrews 5.1 says, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. God said under the old law, it was incomplete. Christ is going to complete all of that. But uh, once a year, the high priest, remember we had the tabernacle and even the temple. We had the, you had the court of the Gentiles out here. You had the court of the women under those old, uh, under those old uh, rules and laws. Then you had the uh, holy place, remember? And it was between the holy place and the most holy place, there was a curtain. And who went behind the curtain? The high priest only. And Leviticus uh, law, Levitical law says, and you make sure you're clean when you come before me, God said. So they had washing, and there was ceremonial washing. He put on his robe, and he, he, he killed uh, uh, lambs and bulls and all of that for his own sins. For his own sins. So when he went before God to offer a blood for the, for the sins of the people that he was responsible for, so to speak, he had to do that. Now, high priest. This says that Jesus is a faithful, we would say, a better high priest. How is that? He approaches God the Father. Okay. He's sinless. He was sinless. The high priest always offered um, sin offerings for himself first. Then he went in before God. What did Jesus offer? He offered himself. And he, because he, he did not sin. So we have, uh, and you're over here, remember we've got the page where you've got Jesus is better. How is he better? He's a better high priest. You ought to have that in there. He's a better high priest. He's sinless. Now, the high priest in the old law, the Old Testament, had to come uh, once a year before God and continually offer sin offerings. What about Jesus? He went one time to the cross, offered His blood one time for all time. 
So he does not have to go in every year. And he certainly never, never had to offer sacrifice for his sin because he never sinned. That, that's an important distinction. What does that verse have? Which one? That says that. Says what? Further on in Hebrews. Yeah, Hebrews 5, uh, Hebrews 7, the chapters. And then also you can go uh, even to Jude 3, where it says, Jude says, uh, the faith that was one time delivered for all time. And there are a few of them. I can get that for you, Joan, but that's all. Other than 5 and 7 and Jude 3 off the top of my head, it's not exactly coming to me. But. Um, Now let, let's 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 get a little more personal here. Let's get some make some application, not personal. Make make, make application. When you look at the end of chapter two in your handout, it's not numbered. But before you get into Hebrews three, Greg will be doing Hebrews three on uh, Sunday. Other uh, Roman numeral IV four. In what ways does Hebrews Chapter 1, verse 4, through chapter 2, verse 18, challenge you to grow. And we've talked about all of this. And basically, some of this I'm just reviewing from Sunday. Now we have what uh, we call sometimes a so what moment. So what? Uh, you, you, you said all of that. So what? So what does it mean to us? What does it mean to you? Okay, so. How does it challenge us to grow what we've talked about so far? Uh, Miss uh, Michelle. We try to live a sinless life as Christ did and repent of any sins we do commit permanently. We, that's, that's our goal, but we don't do it. We, we are sinful creatures. Right. First John. First John chapter 1. We do sin, but our goal is to sin less. Uh -huh. We try to be sinless, but certainly to sin less. Because we all, anybody in here ever say, say or do dumb things besides me? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, I think since, especially in chapter 2, it's kind of hitting more on that point of the fact that Jesus became a man so that he could not only die for our sins but understand our struggles to me kind of rereading this and going through that I know that in the, the asking for help phase for both when you have to ask other brethren but when you have to humble yourself and ask God for help again it's revisiting that concept of he truly does understand more than we can probably ever give him credit for. Kind of like when you no think doubt. your own parents don't understand anything until you're in that position yourself. <laughs> right. And um, I know now. <laughs> but it, great. She it, got so much smarter, didn't she? She did. She and my dad both did. But it's that understanding that because he was there as well and he has been in our place that we shouldn't be embarrassed or frustrated or discouraged from asking for help because that's exactly what he wants us to do because he does understand. And I think it it gives me a little more comfort in even studying this book to know that it's not this big unattainable thing. God did this so that we would be more comfortable approaching him and asking for that help and asking for that, that strength. Remember when Peter asked uh, the Lord when he was still on the earth, how many times can I, am I supposed to forgive people? 
Seven? No, he's quite noble. Seven? What did Jesus say? Seventy times seven. Seventy times seven, brother. There's no limit. There's no limit. If you ever, when you pray sometimes to God, and you start talking in code, like you don't want Him to know. Dude, there's no code. He lays us wide open. So you may as well just tell it. You may as well just tell it. He knows it anyway. Uh, but don't talk in code to Him. Uh, and, all, and all these little phrases and all. Just open your heart to it. And say, Lord, I messed up again. For the twelfth time, you know what he if he you know what he would say? I forgive you what? Because when he forgives you, he forgot it. I don't know how he does that. We it's hard sometimes to forgive ourselves. That's the hard thing. God forgave us, but we carry our conscience sometimes can, can weigh us down. Uh, Jason, Vanessa, did you have something? Okay, I think Vanessa was first. Go ahead, Vanessa. I need to go to Jason. Oh, no. Um, the way that I think about it and challenges me to grow is um, at work, one of my roles is to coach and teach and train. And a lot of things we do is ask like the five whys to get to root causes. So when, when I look at Jesus as the model or the captain, how am I emulating my life around his? Well, when I sing, I take a step back and ask those five whys. Why am I getting frustrated? Why am I feeling upset? And really try to find those gaps and like, okay, how would how would Jesus approach this and try to emulate it? Self-examination? Self-examination. That's not always easy, is it? <laughs> In our busy world, oftentimes we don't either have the time, take the time to look inside. But you better take it even if it's five minutes or ten minutes. I think we've lost that in our hustle-bustle phone. I was there the other night, I was in a room, and my phone was in another room. I almost panicked. <laughs> Where's my phone? Sometimes I'll have Veronica call me, and I hear it ringing back in that room, and I'll run. Ooh, I feel better now. Really? Are you kidding? I didn't even know what a cell phone was until I was 50 years old. And I made it just fine. Is so attached. Uh, Jason and Greg. So in yeah. 18 where it, there's two, two lines of thought with regards to if we are to mirror Christ, we, we come up into things where we will sometimes be tempted and we will pass and we, we will get through it without faltering and there's times where we'll, we won't pass, we'll falter and we ask for forgiveness and in this if we are to mirror God with his grace and mercy and love as we look up to him, we also need to be putting our hand, hand down to help those who are coming up behind us, to to help them through those situations that we've already gone through. Maybe we were faced with that temptation and we got through it without faltering. Maybe we did falter, but we've asked for forgiveness. But we have that experience now to help those who are younger or maybe older or newer to the faith or, or whatever it might be. Just as, as Christ became human and he helps us, we too need to make sure that we are that light of Christ to other people. And what's that descriptor? It rhymes with the word servant. What was Jesus? He was a servant. He was a servant. Ah, we're not much on that sometimes. That might show some weakness. 
but you look around and help others. Because I tell you, along the way, people help you. Sure, they helped me. They're long dead now, but I still remember them. Greg. No, verse two, verse chapter two, verse one doesn't say. Therefore, the elders must give more earnest heed so that the members don't drift. That is some of your all's responsibility. Yeah. But you know, verse two lays personal accountability on me, and that's my learning. I'm, I am responsible, and I can keep from drifting. This chapter tells me that. So therefore, I need to get after not drifting. Anchor to Jesus. You're drifting, and then, as you said, to help others who you might sense are drifting. Ooh, you get a little personal now, brother. Well, I just noticed that you're not yourself. I'm not being nosy. I'm trying to help. So when somebody comes to you like that, I've had people come to me over my over my life. So I, I'm a little concerned about you. Well, who do you think you? No. Talk to me about what you're seeing. And after it's all over, they're your best friend. And far from being uh, somebody you're mad at. But that's not easy. That is not easy. Uh, yeah, in verse, uh, verse 14, talking about um, the death part of it and, and really destroying what the devil has against us to like you know throw that in our faces because we've just made God pairing that with uh, Philippians one um, that Paul talks about um, you know living with Christ is oh, well I'm not gonna quote it but living with Christ is great but death is death is gain so I mean it, it's not easy to think in this way but as a Christian we need to get to a point I need to get to a point that I'm that I'm not just terrified to die but uh, I, I like to say that we need to start have I need to start having a relationship with God now so that I'm not it's a it's a reuniting with the Lord when I get there okay. versus trying to start it when you're on your deathbed. Yeah. Yeah, good luck on that one. Right. Remember, and I'll, cl I'll close with this one. About two years ago we had a class on first grade this chapter thirteen on love. It's a wonderful class. And you remember the seven forty seven principle? Luke seven forty seven? Luke 7, 47, and we know the story there. Uh, if we have a little time off. Therefore I say to you, her sins, talking about the basically a prostitute, that had come at Jesus' feet, and these higher-ups, these mucky-mucks, uh, you know, this, get this woman out of here. She's a sinner, implying we're not. And Jesus said, um, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. Why? But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Remember the, remember the, the principle there? That when we don't appreciate what Jesus has done for us, and sometimes we don't, how much He forgave us, should we have a problem forgiving anybody else? After all, He's forgiven us. And the Lord said, people who don't feel like they need me, in effect, and people who don't feel like they've committed much sins, they love little. But the people who, like this woman who humbled herself, Jesus said her sins are forgiven. And there are many. But she loves a lot. 
that, that's kind of the bottom line there. And uh, the, Luke, uh, Luke, uh, the 747 principle, don't forget it, uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Okay, we almost got through everything, but I thank all of you for your comments. And Greg will uh, do ch Hebrews chapter 3 starting on Sunday. Thank you so much. Remember your chapter headline. We got to put